Thank you, worship ministry, for reminding us that we are in the process. We're, we're like the clay on the potter's wheel. He's getting us ready. Yes, Lord. It's not always pleasant, but it's always profitable. Yeah. Amen. O open up, open up that door. If she's still shouting out there, open up the door. Some of these folk that are still asleep need to get up and walk out. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord have mercy. Mm. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Come on, we greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord today. For those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web on a variety of instruments, we want to thank you for the privilege of your time. Thank you for being with us this morning, allowing us into your personal space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to continue your journey to becoming all that God wants you to be. Now remember, you're not watching to make us a big church or me a big preacher. I am here, we are here to help you become the biggest and best Christian you can possibly be. Like us, love us, share us with family members and friends, and let them know there's never been a better time for hope. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. <clears throat> we are continuing our winter life groups. Man, God has been doing some amazing things already in the life of our church this year. It's been a tremendous year, and we haven't even gotten out of January yet uh, to see the people whose Lives have been changed, souls have been saved, people making a commitment to Jesus Christ. Uh, it's such a great joy and a great opportunity uh, to see God do something wonderful in you. And we are celebrating today uh, all that God is doing. We have a great testimony today that I want you to hear, and we share this testimony uh, in part to celebrate what God is doing in the life of the individual. But even more importantly, I want you to understand what God can do in your life. The old song said, there's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do the same thing for you. Let's hear our testimony for today. When Pastor first introduced the Rooted and Grounded curriculum to us, I thought it was just another Bible study. After I began to start studying it and get more involved into the reading, 
I realized that he was so much more. Knowing God, knowing who he is, and being introduced back into his, his, his presence and his grace and his mercy, I realized how much of a big God he really is, how much of a loving and kind God he is, a God who spoke um, everything to existence from nothing. What an awesome God we serve. And he loved us enough that he gave his only begotten son to us. So what a powerful God that is so big and so loving and so kind that he would do just, just for me. Second part of the curriculum was me. We're dealing with me and my situations where I was going through in my life. Uh, Rudy had a chance to uh, examine me and me to look in the mirror and to show where I've fallen short as a man. Also, what was really impactful when we got into the strongholds where I showed that being in, uh, having strongholds in your life wasn't a part of your DNA. It was sin in your life that needed to be rooted out. So that was, that was when I found out that I needed to be free. And the Bible tells us when the Son of Man sets you free, you are free indeed. So I was walking in that freedom right now. But one of the most important parts of uh, a Rooted was the relationships that I formed from uh, being in the group, the fellowship, the love, praying for one another, encouraging one another. Such an awesome experience. And people I would never have met normally, and now we're Rooted for life. Thank you. Amen. We thank uh, Deacon Carswell for sharing his testimony. Some of you have been in his I Will group, and uh, we're thankful to the Lord that he's allowing the Lord to use him in such a powerful, powerful way. I want to thank those of you who came out on yesterday for our annual church celebration meeting. We're not going to call it business meeting anymore. Our church celebration meeting as we celebrated uh, the great and glorious things that God has done over the last year and look forward to what God is going to do this year. Last year was, um, I think for me in the 29 years that I've been here, arguably the best of the 29 years that I've been here. I will celebrate my 30th year in April of this year. And uh, it's been a tremendous ride. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a tremendous run. Uh, somebody said you ought to thank God for the ups and downs. If you see anything flat, like an EKG, that means you're in trouble, right? Uh, so you want some ups and downs, and there's been some ups and downs, but there have been way more ups than downs, and we're grateful to God for that. Last week, uh, many of you participated in our Discipleship 301 seminar to discover your shape, and I want you to get ready today after the 8 o'clock service and the 10 o'clock service. So for you, after the 8 o'clock service, uh, today, we have our salt and light fair. Our salt and light fair uh, is coming up on today. It is an opportunity for you to connect and to grow in your journey with the Lord. You can only go so far in your spirituality by just sitting and learning. You've got to live this thing out. You've got to flesh this thing out. Uh, in order to really maximize your growth in the Lord. And we have ministry partners who are here. Uh, they will be part of not just our ministry uh, sharing uh, during our 
Rooted and Grounded Discipleship Series, but they are also there for you to sign up individually. If there's somewhere that you feel a specific passion about, we want you to sign up on today. And of course, there will be ministries represented there as well within the church. Now, you should have received a prayer guide today. You should have received a prayer guide. Um, if you received a prayer guide, raise your hand. There should be a prayer guide um, that's attached to your outline today. Um, today, this week, for Rooted in particular, is the prayer experience, the prayer experience. But here's the challenge that I want to make to all of you, because if you're in Purpose Driven Life, you don't have a group prayer experience, but you should have had a group prayer experience in Rooted. Here's what I want you to do today. I'm giving you this prayer guide. I want you to post it. I want you to put it up on your refrigerator, on your mirror, wherever you can put it so you won't lose track of it. And I want you this week, everybody, to make a commitment to have either a group or personal prayer experience. We talked about praying for at least one hour, and I know that's a daunting task for many of you. Those of you who are watching, you'll be able to download this going to our website, goodhope.org, or on our app. If you have downloaded the app, you'll be able to find it there as well. And we lay out the prayer acronym, PRAY, Praise, Repent, Ask, and Yield. And we uh, submit to you, if you spend 15 minutes, at least 15 minutes in each area, you'll be able to pray an hour. And I know many of you while it seems intimidating, have always listened to the words of Jesus who said to the disciples, could ye not stay awake one hour? Like I left you here to pray and y'all couldn't pray one hour? And so we've given you a formula. Now you can adjust it as you want. You may spend 10 minutes in praise and 20 minutes in asking and 15 minutes in repenting and yielding or vice versa. You can mix and match it how you want, but I've given you that as a tool so that you have something to go off of to help you understand what prayer is when you talk about praying for one hour and how to get you there. And I can't tell you how many testimonies we've had of people who have said, oh my God, Pastor, it was so much fun. I've never prayed an hour before in my life. And man, I went over, can I do it again? And I'm like, you can do it as often as you want to. And so I'm asking everybody this week, the church, to spend at least one hour in prayer. Now, I'm not going to give you specifics to pray about. You allow the Lord to lead you in that. But I want to encourage you to join us in prayer this week, not only those who are here in the sanctuary and in Houston, but those of you who are all around the world. Download the prayer guide, and it will assist you in learning how you can pray for at least one hour. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessing on our time. Father, we bless you and thank you for today. Uh, we pray now that as we come, that you will bless us in the preaching, teaching, and hearing of your word, that we would be more than just hearers. Help us to be doers as well. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I didn't get anything out of church today. Uh, I didn't feel anything. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I've had people to articulate those words in a spirit of frustration. I, I, I don't know what was going on at church today. Man, the, the devil must have been in the choir. Pastor must not have studied today. I didn't get anything out of church today. And you know what I've come to realize, my brothers and sisters? Whenever you leave a worship experience feeling that way, whenever you leave articulating those words, you, you know what I've, I've discovered? You came to worship for the wrong reason. See, many of us have failed to understand that worship is not about us. Let me say that again. Worship is not about us. Some of y'all still don't get it. Let me say it again. Worship is not about you. It's not about the choir. It's not about the preacher. It's not about what's going on being set up for you to leave feeling good. Now, there are some ancillary benefits to coming to worship the Lord, but I need you to know that everything about worship is really about bringing glory and honor and pleasing to God. See, see it's really about God. It's really about you and me we come to give him the glory, to give him the praise, and it's not about are you pleased, it's about is God pleased. For a few moments, I want to move even past our worship corporately to how we are to worship every day of our lives because if you are a true child of God and you understand what the Bible claims to be our responsibility, you need to understand that worship is not an event you attend. Worship is a lifestyle that you are to live. That every day of your life, every moment of your life is an act of worship. And the question is not, are you worshiping? Because whether you realize it or not, you are worshiping every moment of your life. The question is just who's on the throne of your life at the moment that you're doing what you're doing. For a few moments today, I want to talk about how to live to please God. How to live to please God. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. We began our discipleship session by answering the question, what does it mean to live on purpose? What does it mean to live on purpose? Not accidentally moving forward in our Christian walk, but what does it mean to be intentional about becoming all that God wants us to be? Uh, so we talked about how to live God's purpose in your life, looking at the life of David. Last week, we discussed what on earth am I here for, challenging you to take the command of Jesus as a life mantra, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and Jesus said, and all other things will be added unto you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And when Jesus says all other things, he's looking at specifically in this context, 
what was said in verses 25 through 32. That all of the stuff we typically worry about, all of the stuff we focus on, he says all of those things will be added if you make the main thing the only thing in your life. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. This week, we're focusing on the declaration that you were planned for God's pleasure. That you were planned for God's pleasure. And the question is, are you living a life that's pleasing to God? Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I was born December the 18th, 1961, and my family would tell stories about all of the Christmas liquor being drunk at my birth. Uh, They were celebrating my birth because I was the first grandchild And my mother was an only child. My father was an only child. So I had no first cousins or anybody like that growing up with. My grandmother, my mother's mother was an only child. And while my grandfather had a lot of siblings, they lived far away. So I was the pride and joy. Man, everybody, they they said they were drunk for three or four days. Um, Yeah, that's that's what they tell me. They say they were drunk for three or four days. And my birth put a serious dent into the libation budget for New Year's, right? Everybody was, was that, means, that means they couldn't buy as much liquor. That's all, that's all I'm trying to say. And, and so they were celebrating my birth, and, and, and my, my birth brought pleasure to my family. My grandfather was, was super proud of having a grandson. Um, he was older when my mother was born, so he didn't know if he was going to be around long enough to see a grandchild, right? So he was super excited to have a grandson. And, of course, my father was, was proud as can be because this was his first son. He, he finally had a, a son. And, 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 and I wanted my life to be pleasing to my parents. I wanted my life to be pleasing to my grandparents Right? I, w- I wanted them to be proud of me and how I was living my life. And there were times, uh, even in my ministry, my grandfather uh, died many years ago. And I would ask my mother uh, if she thought he would be proud of me because being proud of me was important. Right, I wanted to live a life that was pleasing to him. And I think about our walk with God. Right, I think about when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible says the heavens rejoice, right, when one comes to know the Lord. Can you imagine the angels rejoicing in heaven when you gave your life to the Lord, you became born again? But then I began to think, after you've been born again, has your life been as pleasing to God since the new birth as it was at the new birth, right? Have you been living, think about this, to please God, or have you been living to find your own pleasure? See, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people who are out there living for their own pleasure in Jesus' name. And basically, they sanctify their selfishness. Uh, they, They put God around their greed. Because they're Christians, and they have a Christian talk, They think whatever they do in the name of Jesus is all right with God. And the truth of the matter is, we've got to check ourselves if we're going to live to the pleasure 
of God. Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 8, says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Work, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, let's read it together. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That word please, to be fully agreeable with him, acceptable to him. Uh, pleasing in the sense that when God looks at us, Rick Warren says we put a smile on his face. Um, think about your own children or think about your own parents or think about a supervisor or a mentor or somebody who has invested in you, who has poured into you, and think about the smile that comes upon your face or the smile that comes upon their face when you do something or they do something that's pleasing in your sight. He says, how are we going to live so that what we do is pleasing to God? Now, Hebrews 11.6 gives us a key to how to please God. Verse 6, the ESV translation says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith you cannot please God. Now if that is true, then I think the challenge for us is to have more faith because the more faith we have, the more pleasing our life can be to God. And today we want to begin looking at the life of a man who learned how to please God. He learned how to listen to God. He learned how to hear God. And he learned how to follow God despite what other people said and what other people did. So what can you and I learn from the character in our text today, a fellow by the name of Noah? Here's the first thing if you're going to live to please God. Number one, you live in a way that pleases God when you learn to love God completely. You learn how to live in a way that pleases God when you first learn to love God completely. The Lord saw, verse 5, Genesis 6, the easy-to-read version of the Bible, that the people on the earth were very evil. He saw that they thought only about evil things all the time. The Lord was sorry that he had made people on the earth. It made him very sad in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy all the people I created on the earth. I will destroy every person and every animal and everything that crawls on the earth. And I will destroy all the birds in the air, but because I am sorry that I have made them. 
But look at verse 8. But Noah pleased God. The Bible says in Noah's day, the entire world had become morally bankrupt. Everyone lived for their own pleasure, not God's. It was so bad that God couldn't find anyone on earth interested in living to please him except one, and that was Noah. And the Bible says Noah lived in a way that pleased the Lord. How can you and I live in a way that pleases God? How can we live in a way that when God sees you, he sees an exception to the moral bankruptcy in our country today? How can you live in a way that when God looks at your life, he says, this is a person who is committed to me. This is a person who lives a life that's pleasing to me. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, the Living Bible says, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. The message translation says, I'm after love that lasts, not more religion. I want you to know God, not go to more prayer meetings. See, see, the truth of the matter is there are many of us who believe, for example, uh, going to church is going to show God that we love him more. Can I tell you something? God is not interested in your church attendance. He's interested in the commitment of your heart to him. Now, when you love God, it might manifest itself. Some would say it should manifest itself in greater church attendance. But just coming to church doesn't mean you love God more. Loving God more and living a life that is pleasing to God should drive everything that you do and everything that you say. So God says, I want more than a sacrifice. I want more than a showing up. I want more than you just coming to a service. He says, I want a relationship with you. I don't, I don't want religious practices. I don't want rituals. I don't want spiritual routines. I want a relationship. Everybody say relationship. God says, I want a relationship with you. Can, can you imagine being in a relationship with somebody or you think you're in a relationship with that person and they're going through all the motions uh, but there's no substance? It's, it's, like, it's like a faux fireplace that has the light of flames but it gives no heat, right? It just goes through the motions. It's, it's like uh, grabbing a piece of fruit out of a basket and finding out as pretty as it was, it's fake fruit. You know, you, have you ever had that happen to you? I had that happen to me the other day. Man, I was so embarrassed. I, I literally, I was like, you know, because it was like a hotel kind of area. And they, you know, they put out fruit. And I said, oh, man, let me grab a. And I went, boom. And I was like, what in the world? I started to take it just as an example of how good a fake piece of fruit could look, right? God says, no, I need more from you. I, I want a relationship. Look at Mark chapter 12. Beginning at verse 29, Jesus answered, the most important is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. God says, I make available all of me, and now I want all of you. 
all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And if we're honest today, when we think about love, we think more about giving all our love to another person before we think about giving all our love to God. I was uh, watching the basketball game last night. Los Angeles Lakers were playing the Golden State Warriors, and they were talking about one of the players <laughs> on the Golden State Warriors that was so in love with his girlfriend. They wasn't even married. He was so in love with his girlfriend that he didn't want to leave to pursue his NBA career. They said, man, you, you got to move you know, to the U.S. You got to do that. And he was like, mm-mm, I ain't going. Now, I guess nobody told him you can take her with you, right? <laughs> uh, not now they're married, but, but, but you, can hear, you can hear the commentators kind of saying stuff like and alluding to stuff like, what kind of love is that? Like, that's some serious love. What, what, one of the lady commentators, she said, I want to meet that one. She said, every woman that's listening right now is like, that's the kind of love I want. He was unwilling to pursue his NBA career because he didn't want to leave his girlfriend behind. That's some love, y'all. Some of y'all said that's too much love, right? They're married now, but, 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 but obviously she had all of his love. And, and here's what God is saying to you and to me. Are you willing to give me that kind of love? I've given you that kind of love. Are you willing to love me in the same way? Here's the second thing. Number two, I told you first you must love God completely if you're going to live to please God. Number two, you live in a way that pleases God when you learn to trust God totally. When you learn to trust God totally. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7, by faith, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, watch this. It took Noah 120 years to build the ark. 120 years to build the ark. Do you think his faith was challenged in 120 years? Do you think he ever had some folk walk by looking at him talking about no, you done lost your mind. Uh, Noah, it's never rained. Ain't nobody alive ever seen rain. Noah, there's no water close by. Man, you a fool. You done lost your mind. Wait a minute. Can you imagine his children as teenagers trying to explain to their friends why their daddy is out working on an ark? I mean... No, can you imagine his wife? Girl, what is Noah building? Girl, I don't know what he out there working on. He's talking about God told him something. I don't know what he, Is he all right? I think he is, but you know how men are. They're going to do what they want to do. <laughs> Noah kept on trusting God. He kept on trusting God. He believed what God said despite what he saw. 
he trusted God. Uh, several years ago, uh, many of the teams in sports who had traded away their best players and were building or rebuilding their team around draft choices, they would coin this phrase, trust the process. Trust the process. And basically, they wanted season ticket holders to keep on buying season tickets. Uh, they wanted fans to keep on coming to the game. They wanted sponsors to keep on advertising. And, and they were saying to, to their fan base, trust the process. I'm saying to you, my brothers and sisters, we have to learn how to trust God, not somewhat. We've got to learn how to trust God totally. Noah totally trusted God and had faith for God to do what he said after he did what God told him, despite what he saw and despite what other people said. Noah pleased God because he had enough faith to believe what God said, even when what God said didn't make sense. My brothers and my sisters, when you trust God, do you believe what God says no matter what you see? Look at Psalm 147, verse 11. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. The ETRV says the Lord enjoys people who worship him and trust in his faithful love. Let me stop right here for the sake of time, but let me ask you a question. In what areas of your life do you need to trust God more? In what areas of your life do you need to trust God completely? Trusting God does not mean or necessarily require inactivity on your part. Sometimes trusting God just requires faithfulness to keep doing what God has told you to do, believing that God is going to bring to pass what God is going to bring to pass. So the question is, who are you going to live to please? Most of you, live the majority of your life trying to please yourself. If, if you have a spouse, um, your spouse may be able to slip in every now and then, right? You, you, might, you might live some other time. But most people, because of our sin nature, we live to please ourselves. We don't live to inflict pain upon ourselves. No, we live for our own pleasure. My question today is, will you make a commitment to live not to please yourself, but make a commitment to live to please God? So that when God looks at your life, it puts a smile on his face. See, see, the ultimate goal of life, you would hear the old preacher say this all the time, you would hear the old saints say it all the time, is, is when we get to the end of our journey to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. Matter of fact, the old preacher wouldn't even say it like that. He, he, he'd holler. He'd have a scream in there. He'd have a little music in his voice. You know, he might say something like, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, well done, right? But, but, but it's the same thing. Because at the end of the day, you and I, we want God to be pleased with our life. Um, I don't know if there's ever a time in your life when you don't want somebody to be pleased with your life. Uh, we use the term proud of you, right? When, when you're a kid, you want your parents to be proud of you, your grandparents. Th then I discovered as you get older, when you get, when you get married, there's nothing like your spouse being proud of you, being able to say, you know, I'm, man, I'm glad I'm glad that, that you're my wife. I'm glad that you're my husband. I'm, I'm so proud of you, baby. You know, I mean, that, that's just like a, man, that's like sick them to a dog. You know what I mean? That's just, boom, yeah. And as you have children, when your children get of age, you want your children to be proud of you. You, you want them to be pleased that you're their father, pleased that you're their, their mother, Right? And you get a little older, man, you, you want your grandchildren. And, and normally that's about the best crowd you can get with, right? Um, you know, you want your grandchildren to be proud of you, happy, man. That, that's, my, that's my papa. That's my mima, man. But ultimately, as a child of God, the person we want to please above everything else should be the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. We pray now that you have blessed your word as it's gone forth. Uh, we pray that we have been faithful to what you have charged us to do. And I pray now, God, that someone who's hearing today, that they would change their focus they would change their focus from pleasing themselves to recognizing that they need to live in a way that pleases you. Help us, God, to recognize that just like when we come to church, it's not about us, it's about you. That in our life and in our living, it's not about what pleases us, it's more about what pleases you. We thank you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody who can, everybody who will, give the Lord a hand of praise if you will. Come on, if you've been blessed today, if you've been helped today. Stand on your feet wherever you are. As Reverend Bell comes to give us the invitation to Christian discipleship. For somebody who may be watching, uh, this is an opportunity for you to respond. Uh, you can now uh, look and say, you know what? I need God in my life. I need to make a shift in my life. I need to change my way of thinking. I need to change my way of living.
Uh, so many times in life, we want God to adjust to us. We want God to change to get to us instead of us recognizing, you know what? I've got to learn how to trust God. And I've got to make sure my life is in alignment with him. Yesterday is gone. Old song said, tomorrow may never be mine. But Lord, for my sake, help me to take one day at a time. One preacher said, yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note that we may not ever get to claim. All I've got is today. And I want to live in a way that's pleasing to God today.